Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Chaos and Shadow. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How are you doing? I am very excited to dive into the prologue episode, that's what we're calling this, to our Mothman series. So as our listeners out there may know, we were investigating Skinwalker Ranch. We spent a little over a month on that case with a couple <laughs> weeks of break under our belt where we talked about some adjacent issues with ultra uh, infrasound, pardon me, and... um the chupa chupas, the UFOs that harm people. We are now following those lines over to another long investigation. This one being the Mothman. And it feels so right, Pagan. I'm ready for this. I am too. This is such a big case. And it's such a also really well-known case. So I'm so excited to dive deep into this. It's also a case that I'm familiar with, but not as familiar as I should be. So I get to learn all about it as we go along as well. So I'm super excited. Exactly. This episode today, we're calling it a prologue because this episode is going to be light on details for a reason. We're going to be telling you all what we know of the Mothman from mostly just the material we've already absorbed and regurgitating Mm -hmm. some of that. In the next couple episodes, we are going to get a lot more precise, a lot more factual and backing up as many pieces of detail we can. We are going to be looking into the Mothman as a cryptid. We're going to be talking about some of these men in black that appear. We're going to be doing interviews with uh, Carl Pfeiffer and Connor Randall from Hellier. Very exciting. Our friends (laughs) Emily and Tobias Wayland are coming back because they have a book on the Lake Michigan Mothman and ongoing sightings over on the Singular Fortean Society website. We are calling in all these amazing favors with friends that we know that have actually been boots on the ground and done some of these investigations. I'm really amped to take this one to the next level. I am too. And it's so cool that we get to actually sit down with some people who've done some investigative work with this. We get to just kind of sit down and pick their brains and hear their great stories and just, you know, know what they know, which is so amazing. And I just, I can't wait for it. I can't wait to sit down with these people. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. We also have uh, had the opportunity to talk to some of the folks in the past of what's going on. If you have not already heard it, around Christmas uh, 2020, we put out the Greg and Dana Newkirk episode. So December 25th, if you want to scroll back in the feed, we've sat down with Seth Breedlove, who's from Small Town Monsters and directs some amazing films, including The Mothman Legacy, The Mothman of Point Pleasant. These are going to be some of our sources that we have people using. I urge you to go and check out the show notes for this episode and uh, our accompanying details that will go up on the blog, because this is, again, an investigation we invite you to join us with. If you aren't already a member of the Facebook group, get over there, get subscribed to the page, join into the accompanying group. We're uh, considering some of those live investigation moments again, where we sit down with our viewers and try and piece some of the cases together. Like you said, Pagan, it's well known, but it has an awareness, right? But but you have to really dive into those details. Like you were saying, it can be a little bit hard to piece it all together. So in today's episode, we're going to try and help with that. Yes, indeed. We've got so much great stuff that we're looking into and so many great books that we're reading along with this, which is so amazing and fun. Yeah. And we've just, it's going to be such a great case. And 
I do have to say, though, you know, we've talked about the book by John Keel, The Mothman Prophecies, before. Mm-hmm. Kyle has read it. However, I have not. Um, my my basis of going on recommendation is definitely off of other people. I am actually going to be diving deep into that book that, for this investigation, which I'm super excited about and I can't wait for. And then we have another book that was recommended but by Dana Newkirk, wasn't it? Yeah, I I got uh, I was asking Dana. She was posting, responding somehow about Mothman material on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the vi- Visitors from Lanulos by Woodrow Derenberger came up. And I asked her if it was worth a read. She said it was. I'm excited. Uh, there's some back and forth, like all oh, things in the occult and paranormal world where some people try and just go, ah, that's a work of fiction, doesn't have any bearing in reality. Hence why I asked her, I was like, is this worth the pickup or does this one better serve left on the shelf? But uh, with her recommendation, I'm ready for it. Like you said, I've read Mothman Prophecies by Keel. Keel does a preface or, you know, some sort of intro prologue to Woodrow Derenberger's book. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it. I'm ready. And, and Woody Derenberger has a very important role in this case as he is the one who encounters Indrid Cold. That name may That's sound right. very familiar to folks out there if you've watched Hellier or uh, anything else related to the Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And then our friends, uh, Tobias Whalen and Emily Whalen have another book out that is the Lake Michigan Mothman. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Lake Michigan Mothman. I have stumbled over my words. I'm so sorry. It's a high strangeness into the Midwest. It is available on Amazon as well. We're going to be reading that as well, which is I'm super excited about. I actually picked that up uh, last week. Excellent. And so I'm excited to dive into it. Not only that, we get to support our good friends. That's so. right. That, well, that's, you know, that's the cutest thing about all of this is we have, I kind of want to say accidentally unto ourselves, like when we were interviewing Seth Breedlove, when we were interviewing the new Kirks, we didn't have this idea of Mothman Month yet. This didn't, this wasn't a thing in our minds mm-hmm. yet. We knew Mothman in the future, but when, uh, it just works out really, really well that, like you said, all, a lot of our friends are involved in this. So you can go support their works. Again, the films and TV we're looking at, uh, three off the top. The Mothman of Point Pleasant by Small Town Monsters. The Mothman Legacy by Small Town Monsters. And of course, Hellier by Planet Weird. The New Kirks, Carl and Connor. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. And the fact that we're getting to talk to them all is just putting a little uh, cherry on the cake. Right? <laughs> So let's, it's so wonderful with those kind of recommendations of sources taken care of. We're going to keep that list updated by the way. We'll keep letting people know what we do. We like to cite things within our show notes so you can actually find specifically where we got a nugget from. But to give people a general overview, if you're totally drawing a blank on what the Mothman is, well, let's let's try to encapsulate the, the phenomena of high strangeness in the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area. What we're looking at is the case getting notoriety in 1966 when two couples are traveling around what it gets called the munition igloos or silos outside of the town, also known as the TNT area, which was a World War II munition site. So they're driving through, um, very much described as like young young lovers, yeah, kind of just going on a, a stroll on a drive. When they see red eyes and a kind of figure that is able to follow their vehicle 
as they approached back to town. And they went, they were so shaken up, they'd filed a police report. And that's where the story starts to blossom as other people also begin seeing it. What gets me, Pagan, again, without going into any specific details of all these individual sightings, but what gets me is there is a continual vibe of strangeness that I even feel while discussing the Mothman. His sightings are just, I, I guess, maybe jarring or somehow unpleasant. They, It's just like they take the, the viewer out of the mindset they were in. I, I don't know. It's that's, almost like seeing like a crack in the world or something like just, it doesn't look like it should be there. And that's how a lot of these cases describe it. That's actually pretty accurate to, you know, some of the sighting that the people who have seen this uh, creature and experience a phenomenon and all that, they very much have this kind of jarred feeling afterwards where they're they're shaken and they don't really know what they saw. They and they feel it for years and years and years like it never leaves them. Even um, like one witness said that uh, they saw it like 60 years ago or some craziness like that. And they still remember it as vividly as if it was the day before. Indeed. And it just has stuck with them almost to a point that you could almost say like PTSD kind of style. But it's just, it's very interesting and it's very frightening. Uh, I guess if you saw something that's figuratively between seven to nine feet tall with large animal like wings and red eyes coming towards you, yeah, I'd be freaked out too. So I don't know. I <laughs> I, I do remember at one point in time the, the people when I watched. Um, the uh, Mothman of Point Pleasant by Small Town Monsters, they they did ask the government, they said, well, can we shoot it? And if there's more than one, can we shoot the others? How many of these can we shoot? You know, they of course, that was kind of very small town kind of mindset. So it, it's a very interesting thing that happened. And, you know, some people were so scared of it that they just couldn't look away and they wanted to get away, but they couldn't. It's just a very interesting thing that happened to all these folks. Very interesting. Truly. Um, Keel will go on in the Mothman prophecies to also talk about some zones of fear and energy that, like, when, when you're walking through them, you just are overcome by the urge to retreat. You're just uh, highly on edge. There's, I believe, an anecdote where he talks about going in and out of one of those to map the actual radius of it that he was driving back and forth through this spot because every time he would, he would just absolutely panic, but then he'd get out the other side and it would sub subdue. So we would go back through and try that way. Um, trial and error to figure it out. I like a lot of those high strangeness approaches that Keel will employ mm -hmm. because it doesn't end there with just sightings of a cryptid and weird feelings but as I kind of teased already, this is one of the cases that heavily revolves around men in black or humanoid figures that appear with black suits, kind of looking like government men, sometimes described as carrying briefcases. Oddly enough, other times uh, being described that they didn't really come from anywhere in particular, they'll just show up on someone's 
porch in the middle of a snowstorm and without a car mm-hmm. parked in the drive. So who, where did this person walk from? How far? Like you said, we're talking very rural areas here. So these houses aren't necessarily close together. It just is very odd. And these guys are, again, accompanied with a maybe like an uncanny valley feeling to them where where it like it's such a an approximation of humanity and it's not and you get those reports a lot where you'll hear these men in black don't really talk like a human would if you're someone out there that's done some men in black research you might have heard cases where they're just their skin doesn't seem lifelike maybe their mm-hmm. lips don't move accurately there's a lot of kind of weirdness here but the mothman case is one where like I said earlier, Woody Derenberger uh, actually encounters a humanoid along the side of the road. He's driving home to Mineral Wells, West Virginia, when on November 2nd, 1966, he meets Indrid Cold, who, again, huge feature in the Hellier case, where they get talking about Indrid's other crew members like Carl Ardo uh, and, and what they might be doing here on Earth if they're hiding out. We don't exactly know, but I I found this cute little thing. Um, Hellyer refers to Indrid Cold's age and stuff, uh, you know, not not knowing how long and how how old he was. And I I found something that actually approximates the lifespan of these aliens at about 125 to 175 Earth years, uh, implying that if there is an Indrid Cold here still on the planet, he has a much larger lifespan, maybe even double our own. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that's backed up. I believe that anecdote will come from the uh, Visitors of Lanulos book, but mm-hmm. I want to I track that back to something. I'm excited to track all this back and to learn more about it, especially there's something so fascinating about Indra Cold that literally every time you really hear the name, it's just one of those things that it strikes something, at least within me, it does, that it's like, I want to know more, but I don't know if I will ever get to know as much as I want to know. And there's just something about it. And I cannot really understand that feeling. And there's no real kind of wording to go with it. But something about that name stirs an emotion in me that I don't really understand as to why. But I'm excited for it. It's an exciting thing. And it's a curiosity. But, you know, who knows? It might be the curiosity of like a porcupine or something. So I, I think if folks out there have seen the Mothman prophecies, the Hollywood film, that is definitely mm-hmm. not on our list of sources, though I think if you're out there and you get the chance to rent it, it can be worth the watch. I, I saw it when it first probably reached like home video at the time. So I, I don't know. I think that was early 2000s or something. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It 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 stood it stood it stuck with me all all those years. There's some very jarring scenes that just leave a lot to the imagination. And I'd say that's what makes that that film creepy is they talk about losses of time. They talk about not really having control of the investigation. So if you're into high strangeness, if that thing tickles your fancy, I I think the Mothman prophecies film could be worth the watch. It's very loosely, very, very loosely done on the Mothman prophecies book by Keel. 
take that as more of the the Mothman Bible, the book, the mm-hmm. the film, not so much, but it can get you in the right headspace for it. I think there's something to be said about that. I think it's so interesting, though, that, you know, as we start to dip our toes into another area of high strangeness, how looking back at all the other areas of high strangeness that we've already looked at, uh, like Skinwalker, Bridgewater Triangle, uh, Bennington Triangle, and all of these other places, there's so many different correlations that are really starting to match up. And for instance, when I was watching The Mothman of Point Pleasant, there was a retelling of a story of somebody who saw a ufo land in their field and their dog was barking and went out and tried to chase these things and basically just saw these lights going around and around and around in a circle similar to helicopter blades and the as you guys would probably remember if you've listened to our skinwalker series if you haven't please go check it out you guys will probably really enjoy it uh there's the incidents with the dogs and lights in skinwalker And there's this incident with this dog and these red lights in Point Pleasant. And again, both times the dogs, well, the dogs were never really found, but they speculate that the dogs were murdered in Skinwalker. But it's just one of those things where there's so many different things. And then as you were talking about with Keel, with the areas of that feeling of fear that, you know, you go past through it. It reminds me a lot of also things that happen in Skinwalker too, where they would just go through a place and they would feel weird, like they shouldn't be there and they kind of get freaked out. And so it's cool to see all of these different correlations kind of match up with each other, even though they're totally different places and totally different stories. The high strangeness surrounding all of the things that happen there seem to match, which is really cool. I agree. There's a lot of crossover when you start looking at these cases. I know we're going to have a lot of subjects that continue to do that. Uh, this, This case has UFOs being seen. Like you mentioned, there's some lights in the sky. That is also one of the ones that really stands out to me about this is some of the witnesses recount being told not to believe their eyes not to report on the sightings keep it all hush hush Mm -hmm. yet a lot of people were seeing these crafts in the sky repeatedly as as keel talks about that there is an overlook in point pleasant where people could go and actually see them on i i can't remember if he calls it like a nightly basis or weekly basis but People in the area had some sort of idea of when they could go up there and and catch a sight. They were doing it as a fun hobby in the afternoon, evening hours. Uh, That's very interesting. Yeah, and and the case gets punctuated by the Silver Bridge Collapse, which is the climax of the film. But in 1967, the Silver Bridge Collapse, which is the major major pipeline in that town it connected them to ohio and to other uh goods that were on that side when that bridge collapsed 46 people died as as they were traveling it was around the holiday season for uh, christmas people were on the bridge collapses a lot of folks get hurt and i think i don't mean to speak for that town without knowing for certain but i'm i'm sure that that dealt the town a major blow because this is a very small population, so to lose 46 people, we all know that East Coast small towns already suffer immensely. That A lot of them, you know, poverty and just job loss have set in. 
it's 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 actually kind of exciting to see that the Mothman phenomena has brought a lot of what looks like life back to the town from festivals right. um, to to monuments to, to all kinds of wonderful things that are going on there, honoring the legacy and and speaking to this this creature that people don't know. Was it an omen talking about the Silver Bridge about to collapse? It, it the Mothman has certainly taken on that sort of pop culture role as an ominous bringer of of doom. So the question becomes then: Are is he the one that causes doom? Does he just prophesy the doom? What does this cryptid play into it? And is is he appearing elsewhere in the world? Does is this a limited situation, or does he continue? That's I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that I hope we get to, you know, answer some of those questions as we continue through this case. But I I will say that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who really do believe that the Mothman is this creepy omen that he's been sighted around. At one point in time, I saw this crazy conspiracy, and I don't really know how much of it to believe, but the the Mothman was sighted right before 9-11. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's somebody else that's doing that just said that to, you know, buy into the Mothman omen conspiracy. But ultimately, it's one of those things that it's it, it's interesting. It, it's interesting to think about, but I don't know if we'll we'll get the answers to that. I hope we do get some, but I, I don't know if we will. It's a good point. Uh, we can call out right in the first episode that for people out there that believe the Mothman of Chernobyl incident, that has been debunked by, I believe, the screenwriter of the Mothman prophecy. So the guy that took Keel's book and made it into a, a, a film uh, for the silver screen was the one who, quote, created that. I, I saw an interview of him. We definitely should find that again at some point and throw it back into the uh, evidence for this mm -hmm. case. Hearing him debunk that was pretty interesting. It, it's one of those ones that it saves a lot of time not having to go through foreign press articles or anything like that when you have the guy just saying, yeah, we made that up because it, it was actually a pretty good intro to the case. And it just further uh, filled out the character that they were using. Now, there's other incidents, like you said, 9-11 has been said as as one of the locations. Russia has another incident where they thought he was uh, appearing around these 1999 apartment building bombings that were going on, these terrorist attacks. Thought that he was foreshadowing some of that. And as we see in the Hellier case, Indrid Cold plays quite a role in it. So mm -hmm. what does that exactly mean? You know, what where I guess the other thing with high strangeness here is where do any of these entities, where does their line end and another begin? So We've got the cryptid of the Mothman. We've got Indrid Cold, who might be one of these men in black sorts. Are they at all related? Are they similar? You know, is the Mothman what what one of those men in black could look like if if people see him in the wrong light when he's not really prepared to be seen? Is there any correlation or connection at all? Do these just happen to be totally different entities that are all interacting at the same spot for maybe even a reason that they don't understand? <laughs> There's just so many possibilities. But it's the weirdness it's, of it that brings us to it. It's true. There's so many different, you know, avenues and it really does kind of question, is it all one singular line and everything is connected or do all of these things have connections because their lines tend to overlap? So hopefully we can answer some of those questions. Again, with cases of heightened strangeness, it's a question of 
can we answer all the questions? No, probably not. But maybe we can answer some or get closer to an answer than we were before. And that's kind of what we're hoping to do with this case is just get a little bit deeper into it, maybe make some great correlations with it, and maybe find some new evidence with it if we can. Maybe something that somebody else hasn't thought of. And, you know, with her audience helping us out too, the more minds that kind of come together and work together on these kind of cases, I think the deeper that we can truly understand them and maybe understand what really is going on. Very, very, very true. I really, really would like to tap into the collective power of our audience. That is to say, get over to the Facebook page, everyone. Chaos, uh, sorry, facebook.com forward slash chaos and shadow. That'll get you the actual page. From there, you can like that, turn on some notifications so you get the live streams. And also attached is the group. So click on that groups tab, join into the, I think it's still called maybe the Revelators member group. Uh, Get in there. Mm -hmm. That's where we share a lot of stuff. And more importantly, it's where you, the listener out there who's enjoying the show, you can chat more with us in that group. That has more of a two-way street vibe than the page. What we're already planning is a Thursday, February 4th mini meeting. We're going to look at that at, uh, I think we said that might be about 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So that's 1 p.m. Eastern. We're going to try and do that. And if, yes. if we need to move any of these things, we'll let people know. But uh, we, we want to get in there. And if it's just Peg and I pulling up some research and discussing it. Uh, so be it that might be our our plan for the very first one where we just start putting together our notes on the month man great time if you have evidence if you have your own notes if you have your own questions great time to bring those to the table Mm -hmm. we should also remind people that on sundays pagan we are lining up uh something for every sunday a very cool ritual and by the time people are hearing this episode we've already done the embolic one that's going on on uh, the 31st of January. But if you're listening to this episode on the 1st of February, you still have time to actually follow along with the ritual from our video archive, if you so choose. Yes, you can. Because Impolic actually doesn't hit until February 2nd. That's when the um, festival technically takes place. Um now, but yeah, we are definitely doing occult Sundays. Occult Sundays, we're going to be doing all sorts of stuff from rituals to meditations to in-depth discussions slash workshops and all sorts of cool stuff. So come over to Facebook. Usually they're not more than like an hour, so we're not going to take yeah. up a ton of your time. And just come hang with us, get some nice uh, chill vibes and uh, do some cool witchy stuff with us. Yeah, that's 5 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern on Sundays. Yes. Uh, every Sunday. And again, it's yes. archived. It's very low maintenance. You often need to bring nothing but having a candle can help uh, from there. You can always check mm-hmm. out Pagan's posts on the blog. She puts one up each week in relation to what we're doing to give you guys a heads up if you want to pick up any ingredients in advance, if you want to try kind of higher level spell work in that way. But again, you are welcome to come with just your person uh, and and hang out for the ride, chat with us, ask questions. Pagan, they've been yes. absolutely beautiful. You did a wonderful guided oh. meditation in our last. So again, people, go go check those out. Go get active in that group. That's where we're running things for all all things chaos and shadow paranormal. I'm ready. This is going to be a good month. Again, lots of interviews, lots of subjects. I'm ready to dive in head first, Pagan. 
I am too. I'm so excited about this. And you guys are totally welcome to, uh, you know, read along with us, come investigate with us. Just even come hang out with us. Yeah. Even if you're not investigating and you just want to hang out and, you know, be like, hey, I'm curious about this and just have a question. That's totally fine too. You can ask us questions and see if we can, you know, maybe answer some stuff. Maybe they're questions we haven't thought of ourselves. So the more that we bring to the table is that everyone can bring to the table. I think the more richer this investigation is really going to be. And as we've already said, definitely join us on Sundays because Sundays are also a great chill time to connect with us and also just, um, you know, get your good occult vibes on. So I think it's going to be a great month. We've got so much cool stuff planned, not only with this investigation, but with the occult Sundays and everything else. Come check it out and also check out the blog. We've yeah. got some really cool stuff coming up on the blog as well. Absolutely. While you're there, hit the occult shop and you'll be all set. So for this week, yes. folks, we'll go ahead and put a pin in it for you all. Go and get to reading, get to watching. You have our initial sources Get to following us on Twitter because I'm putting out little posts about that there as well. So you can catch some of those. Uh, we, we just put out those the images of the, the videos we're recommending to people yesterday. Mm-hmm. So get up there, get active, and we will chat with you all next week. Stay safe, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.